Sask Ag Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Ag Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, canola futures are tumbling and wheat futures seem to be following suit. We'll hear from PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Austin Jamison about why the prices are changing so much and dropping right now. There's a significant difference in crop yield estimates between the latest Statistics Canada report and the latest Saskatchewan Agriculture Crop Report. Kevin Hirsch, the Chief Agricultural Editor for SaskAgToday.com, will join us on today's program to tell us why that is and how it's going and where it's going, I guess, over the next few weeks. The Senate Committee on Agriculture and Forestry is back in the nation's capital after spending the last week in Western Canada. Robert Black is a member of the committee, and he will join us on today's program as well. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture, otherwise known as Sask Ag Today. But first, it's time for your agriculture outlook with precision weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, we have a mainly sunny sky here in the Yorkton area. Is this what we can expect for the rest of the day? Yeah, it's looking very nice for today. Uh, we will likely get a bit of cloudiness rolling in uh, into the evening, uh, even as early as mid to late afternoon, a few clouds, but that's not going to produce any precipitation. These just scattered clouds. Through the night tonight, we'll call it partly cloudy, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's at times mostly cloudy. Good news is that's nighttime. Daytime, we should be just fine with the sunshine. What I'm watching is any wind. There's not been much of it, and through the day, there likely won't be much. Some indications are a bit of a spike, and this is what I was watching this morning. still looks like it's going to happen uh, mid-afternoon. The wind picks up just a bit, at least to something noticeable, <laughs> very calm, uh, but generally still even at the peak this afternoon, up to about 15 kilometers per hour. 21, the high today, a nice day, temperature above normal, normal high this time of year, 18, and I don't even see teens as I look through our forecast for the next few days. I see 20 or better. It's a nice mild stretch. Dry weather, too, even with the cloud cover, it's not going to produce precipitation, just the cloudiness at times tonight, with a low down to 8. Tomorrow, partly sunny sky. The wind likely is more noticeable than today, but just like I was mentioning with today's wind, not strong. 10, maybe 20 in the afternoon, and that 20 is probably going to be the exception to the rule. Uh, 22 is our high tomorrow afternoon. We're partly to mostly sunny on Sunday as well. With the clear sky, uh, we would drop off a little bit cooler Saturday night. I think there's a bit of cloud cover just enough to keep it from being a complete free fall. Looking for 8 degrees, but uh, there will likely be some areas around the region that get down to 5, even 4 degrees, thanks to the dryness and the clear sky. But again, scattered cloudiness, and even at times a mostly cloudy sky should uh, blanket things a bit, keeping us at 8 degrees. For the record, if it gets down to 5, that's normal for this area. That's our normal low, so that wouldn't be unexpected. It just, with the cloud cover, likely we stay a little above that. Through the day on Sunday, partly to mostly sunny sky will be around 20 for the afternoon. 
Again, some cloud cover mixes in from time to time, partly if not mostly sunny through the day. And this dry weather continues through Monday through Tuesday, likely through Wednesday as well, though a little more cloudiness rolls in by later Wednesday. Wednesday night, we may start to get a couple of showers, and we turn a bit more unsettled for the tail end of the week with a few showers. Temperatures will likely back down a few degrees as well, as we'll continue the warmth through about Thursday and then head back toward normalcy uh, toward next weekend. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw and Roblin are at 18 degrees. Swan River, 19. Dauphin and Brandon, 20. Show Lake Russell, 17. Regina is at 20 degrees. Saskatoon and Indian Head, 19. Hudson Bay, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 18. Broadview, Mooseman, 17. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a west wind at 11 kilometers an hour. 46% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 19 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 22 degrees and dropped to a low of 5 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is 18 degrees. The normal low is 5 degrees. The sun rose at 6.12 this morning, and it set at 7.23 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Swan River at 22 degrees. The cold spot was Thompson at minus 2 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Coronac at 28 degrees. The cold spot was South End at minus 1 degree. Beef and Forage Report. Chicago Mercantile Exchange live cattle futures climbed to a July high yesterday while feeder cattle set new contract highs. Analysts say tight supplies continue to support the markets after U.S. producers reduced their cattle herds over the last year as drought limited the availability of pastures for grazing. The markets extended strong gains from Wednesday. Expectations that a rally in cash cattle prices may restart in a few weeks are supportive for futures. That's according to Rich Nelson, a chief strategist for a brokerage called Allendale. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. DX94, AgriView. The Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission will welcome one new and three incumbent directors to its board following a summer-long nomination period. First-time director Cameron Reich will join returning directors Leslie Kelly, Jocelyn Valestuck, and Glenn Tate on the Sask Wheat Board of Directors. Each director will serve a four-year term, with Kelly, Valestuck, and Tate continuing into their second consecutive terms.
The terms of the four directors will begin in January, following the Sasquit annual general meeting. The four acclaimed directors will join sitting directors Brett Halstead, who serves as board chair, Jake Legui, who serves as vice chair, Scott Hepworth, and Rob Stone. Meanwhile, three nominees have been acclaimed to the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Board of Directors following the close of nominations in early September. B.J. Hobrick of Hazenmore will join the Board of Directors in January. Terry Yauzwa of Nipawin and Winston Van Staveren of Creelman will each continue into their second three-year term on the board. Corey Lowson will be departing the board in January as he has reached his maximum term limit. Corey served 10 years on the SPG board after being appointed for a single year and then serving three consecutive three-year terms. The new director's terms will begin following SPG's annual general meeting in January. International forage and turf seed firm DLF is stretching its reach in the alfalfa market with a deal for Corteva AgriScience's assets in that business. The Danish firm announced Wednesday it had acquired Corteva's global alfalfa germplasm and breeding program for an undisclosed sum, including its current commercial alfalfa varieties and their trademarks such as High Jest, High Ton, High Salt, and MS Sundra. The deal, which took effect September 1st, also includes the Alpharex Seeds brand name, which was set up in 2013 as the name of Dow AgroSciences alfalfa business before that company's 2017 merger with DuPont's ag businesses into what's now Corteva. DuPont had sold off its own previous alfalfa seed business in 2014. DLF says it will integrate the Corteva business into its own global research and development program and will also hire select Corteva personnel supporting the alfalfa program, including research and development staff in the U.S. Midwest and Pacific Northwest. The United Nations is actively engaged in trying to improve Russia's grain and fertilizer exports in a bid to convince Moscow to again allow the safe Black Sea export of Ukraine grain. Last week, the UN sent Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov a set of concrete proposals aimed at reviving the Black Sea grain deal, which Russia quit in July, a year after it was brokered by the United Nations and Turkey. Moscow had complained that its agricultural exports faced obstacles and not enough Ukrainian grain was going to countries in need under the Black Sea deal. Ukraine and Russia are both leading grain exporters. The Black Sea grain deal aimed to combat a global food crisis worsened by Russia's February 2022 invasion of Ukraine. Russia's grain and fertilizer exports are not subject to Western sanctions, but Moscow said restrictions on payments, logistics and insurance have been a barrier to shipments. And a former pizzeria owner in the U.S. has been sentenced to two years in prison for using more than $660,000 in pandemic relief funds to buy an alpaca farm. Prosecutors in Boston say 59-year-old Dana McIntyre submitted a fraudulent application for a Paycheck Protection Program loan. They say he inflated information about his employees and payroll expenses and falsified a tax form to try to qualify the business for a larger loan amount. After the loan came in, 
McIntyre sold his pizzeria and used nearly all of the money to buy a farm in Vermont, eight alpacas, and weekly airtime on a cryptocurrency-themed radio show that he hosted. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly sunny and 19 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Canola futures are tumbling and wheat futures seem to be following suit. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Austin Jamison says the ICE Futures canola contract for November is trading around $776 a metric ton, dropping $40 over the last few days. We're into an area where we typically see a little harvest pressure. The trade digested the Stats Canada report, uh, cutting some production estimates there. And um, now, now we're turning to focus on some upcoming USDA reports next week and just some overall slowing in the Chinese economy that has some worried about some demand factors. He says the December contract for Minneapolis wheat started the week low and has found some support around the $7.60 U.S. range but is still trading below average. And on the wheat side of things, the, the past few weeks, we've definitely seen some harvest pressure as well, similar to canola. And there's still a lot of wheat getting exported out of the Black Sea. But uh, I, I do believe the trade is focused on there not being a complete settlement over in the Black Sea. So there is a possibility of some further headlines that could propel this market higher. There is one report Jameson is focused on next week. So next week we have a major USDA report out on Tuesday that the trade is going to be fairly focused on heading into that. So we're looking at a few different aspects and production numbers out of the states for uh, soybean, corn, and wheat. And at the same time, we have always have a few big crude oil reports which that market should support overall commodities in general if it, if it continues to climb and we see inventories continue to draw down. Austin Jamison is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and they're a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Verdon. Brandon. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for October closed at 183.22 today. That's down 42. December live cattle closed at 187.42, down 7. October feeder cattle closed at 259.15, up 27. November feeder cattle closed at 260.62, up 35. October lean hogs closed at 81.52, down 130. December lean hogs closed at 74.45, down 82. And that's the livestock market conditions. Well, there's a significant difference in crop yield estimates between the latest Statistics Canada report and the latest Saskatchewan Agriculture Crop Report. 
SaskAgToday.com's chief agricultural editor, Kevin Hirsch, breaks it down for us. Well, there is some fairly major divergence uh, between the two numbers. Uh, the SaskAg numbers just came out, and they're, they're based on estimates uh, made by crop reporters across the province. The Statistics Canada ones came out oh, a week, 10 days ago, based on an earlier reading of satellite modeling. So some of them are in pretty good agreement, and some of them some of them diverge quite a bit. And of course, analysts will debate as to which ones are 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 the the right ones or the closest to reality. But hard red spring wheat, for instance, uh, Saskag came out at 42 bushels an acre as an average across Saskatchewan, whereas the StatScan number was only 35. So that's a, a fairly major divergence. But interesting to note that it goes the other way when you look at Durham wheat. Uh, in the case of Durham wheat, the SAS Ministry of Ag is estimating only 23 bushels an acre, uh, whereas StatsCan had it at 26 and a half. So that's uh, you know quite a difference. It, there's also a, a tremendous range within the regions. If you look at the SASCAG numbers, in, in southwest Saskatchewan, the average Durham yield 17 bushels an acre, whereas if you get up into northeast Saskatchewan, not a lot of Durham grown up there, but what is grown up there, 40 bushels an acre. So uh, tremendous variability. Going to, to some of the other crops, uh, SASCAG said 79 bushels on oats, whereas uh, Statistics Canada said only 68. So there's a case where SAS Ministry is quite a bit higher. SAS Ministry is also quite a bit higher on barley. They're saying 53 versus uh, 44, uh, according to StatsCan for barley. Uh, flax, SASCAG 19 bushels an acre, whereas Statistics Canada 17.1. Uh, then we look at uh, canola. That's always one that people really watch. And they're, they're not too far apart on that. Uh, SAS Ministry of Ag is saying 31 bushels an acre average across the province. Statistics Canada was a bit higher than that at 32.7. And then we look at some of the, the pulse crops, peas. Uh, SASCAG says 30, whereas Statistics Canada said 26. On uh, lentils, uh, SASCAG is also a bit higher. They're saying 1,058 pounds an acre versus 919. On some of the crops, it, you know, the Saskatchewan is such a big part of the, the world market on a few of the crops, such as Durham and lentils and uh, mustard and canary seed, that uh, the, the difference uh, between one estimate to another does make a, a difference in in exportable stocks and, and actually can influence prices. So analysts will look at these numbers and, and be, a, be debating which ones are the right ones. Hirsch speculates on why there's such differences in some crop yields. You know, everybody is, it's just, it's an estimate. And the satellite modeling is fairly recent, but has been fairly highly regarded. Uh, but one problem is that the, the satellite imagery they're using is by the time they get it all through their system and release it, I don't think it's as timely. I think it's, you know, many weeks and maybe even a month old by the time it's released. And that, uh, that a lot can change in, the, in that span of time. Now, the, the crop reporters are all good, interesting people trying to keep track of what's happening in their local area. 
but if I was to have to try to give an average yield for my area, knowing the variability out there, I, I'm not sure that how right I would get it either. I guess if you, when you have a, you know, I think they have over 200 crop reporters, so it, it maybe averages out a little bit. Hard to say which numbers are the closest. I would, I would probably go with the Saskag numbers on most of uh, most of the, the 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 numbers there. I'm a little more comfortable with that just based on what I've heard. But that's just a, a guess on my part. Trouble is, we never really know the answer. There'll be subsequent surveys and subsequent information, and then they'll look at export statistics and estimate carryover numbers and sometimes go back stats can will and and readjust what they thought yields were in past years even just to make the numbers come out right but there's never any really hard and fast answer to know who is right and who is wrong in these sorts of estimates Hirsch adds that crop yields can vary drastically in Saskatchewan southwest Saskatchewan was is the lowest yield for all of the crops and not much oats grown in southwest Saskatchewan, but 30 bushels per acre is what Saskag is saying the average oat yield was in southwest Saskatchewan. Compare that to northeast Saskatchewan at 97 and northwest at 91 bushels an acre. Just shows the tremendous uh, variability in a year such as this. And he says crop reporting from producers can't always be relied upon. In a really bad year, sometimes people brag about how low their yields are. Uh, and then in a good year, they, they tend to brag about their top yields. And I think it's got worse with yield monitors and combines because people will talk about, you know, how high their yield monitor hit rather than maybe their, their average yield sometimes. So it, it, it is difficult. People will, will say this field did this, this field did that. Uh, they don't always uh, they don't always do the average for you to know just where where they've come out. So uh, it it still ends up being a being a guessing game. That's Kevin Hirsch. He is the chief agricultural editor for SaskagToday.com. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will return right after these messages. Welcome back to Saskag Today. The Senate Committee on Agriculture and Forestry is back in the nation's capital after spending the last week in western Canada. They were conducting a fact-finding study on soil health in Canada, first in Saskatoon for two days visiting the Kernan Research Farm and Glacier Farm Media's Discovery Farm at Langham, then at Olds College in Alberta at the Smart Farm there. Robert Black is a member of the committee, and says while they've had multiple committee meetings in Ottawa on the topic, it was a better idea to hit the road. Earlier in the spring, we were in uh, in Ontario. We went to the University of Guelph and around Wellington County. Uh, we've been uh, in uh, eastern Canada. Some of us have been there. Uh, a couple of us traveled. Four of us traveled to Rome to an international soils conference, which was uh, gave us the opportunity to find out more about what's happening around the world. And this week, we are in Western Canada. He mentioned his observations during the trip. We saw, I uh, like to put it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We uh, we saw some good uh, uh, work being done around soil health. Uh, we saw some areas that. Uh, that folks were working on on bettering the health of soil of that soil and you know salination erosion things like that 
We also saw a technology in action. So while we were in Saskatchewan, we saw soil sensors and, and the making of soil sensors, a company that, uh, a startup company that's working in that, in that field. When we were in Alberta the last couple of days, and we learned more about Old Smart Farm and what they're doing there and their connection to the pan-Canadian network of smart farms, which they have uh, built over, over the last uh, few years. I'm really, uh, really excited by what's happening at Olds. Uh, they're doing good stuff there, applied research at scale. Uh, and so that's exciting too. So uh, it's been a good week of uh, understanding soil health in Canada. Black says it was a learning experience, which he enjoyed with one of the bigger takeaways being the technology that's out there and understanding soil health at the farm level. When we were in Saskatchewan, we saw uh, soil profiles that were taken in a one-kilometer stretch every 200 meters. And I was, I was amazed at the change in those profiles, you know, those cores that uh, over, over a one-kilometer stretch. And so that stood out for me. It reiterated what we've heard in that a one-size-fits-all doesn't work across Canada. We need to be recommending policies that are, uh, or the development of policies that are regional in nature and and support the local uh, nature of of the health of soils locally. Just, Just a blanket policy or a blanket program, I'm afraid, just won't work. One common complaint from producers is not getting the credits that's due to them not only for looking after the soil, but also the land and animals. Black has also heard those concerns. It's certainly resonating with the uh, Senate Agriculture and Forestry Committee. We have heard that in spades. You know, uh, setting a bench, uh, benchmark or a bench line uh, of 2020, when you and I both know that farmers have been, have been uh, no-till or low-till uh, farming for 25, 30, 40 years, and just to say that uh, that only those that start today or start now will will be supported or 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 uh, encouraged through through financial incentives is not fair. And we've heard that we've heard that every time we've been out and about. Uh, we need to figure something out. Or and we don't do the programming. We just put forward recommendations. But I anticipate that that message will be uh, there loud and clear. A final report is expected by mid to late 2024, and Black hopes it resonates with all levels of government, from federal down to municipal. But my real uh, hope is it resonates with all Canadians, because in this day and age, we need to, uh, we all need to be concerned about soil health. You know, whether it's my backyard and my garden and me providing for my family, or uh, or our Canadians feeding Canada and the world. We all need to be concerned about it. Robert Black is a member of the Senate Committee on Agriculture and Forestry. It's time now for the Commodities Update, and that's a presentation of Ducks Unlimited Canada. DUC is offering a new winter wheat program package that will help with your crop's yield and water retention. The winter cereal program package comes with agronomic advice from seeding to harvest and more. With I4. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board again today. November canola closed at 780.10, that's down $2.80. 
January canola closed at $788 per metric ton, down $3. December Minneapolis wheat closed at $770 and three quarters, down four cents. December Kansas City wheat closed at $732 per bushel, down five cents. December Chicago wheat closed at $595 and three quarters, down four cents. December corn closed at 483 and three quarters, down two and a half cents. November soybeans closed at 1363 per bushel, up three and a half cents. December oats closed at five dollars per bushel, that's up three and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Arm Bulletin Board. The 34th annual Grain Millers Harvest Showdown is coming up in Yorkton from November 1st to the 4th. There will be free admission to the Harvest Showdown as well as the trade show. There will be a trade show, a grain show, a forage show, a pedigreed seed show, breeders alley, cattle show and sale, a chore team competition, horse pulls, a ranch rodeo, a stock dog competition, school tours, 4-H clinics, and a senior supper and dance. So all of those things to check out at this year's 34th annual Grain Millers Harvest Showdown, which will be coming up on the Yorkton Exhibition Grounds running from November 1st to the 4th. And SaskAg Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose Sask Ag Today. And yes, it's free. It's now coming up on 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Sunny skies, winds northwest at 10 to 20, gusting higher at times, and a high of 21 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds northeast at 10 to 15, a low of 8. For tomorrow, partly sunny, winds north-northwest at 10 to 20, a high of 22 degrees, an overnight low of 8. For Sunday, partly to mainly sunny, winds east-southeast at 10 to 20, a high of 20. For Monday, sunny and a high of 22, Tuesday, sunny, also a high of 22. In the Paw and Roblin, it's 18 degrees, Swan River is at 19, Dauphin and Brandon 20, Show Lake Russell 17. Regina is at 20 degrees, Saskatoon Indian Head 19, Hudson Bay, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington 18, Broadview, Mooseman 17. The Yorkton, Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a west wind at 11 kilometers an hour, 46% is the relative humidity, the temperature is 19 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Sask Ag Today for today. 
Be sure to tune in again on Monday at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Saskag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.